From the Midwest PBIS network, this is Passing Period, short bursts of implementation support that you can squeeze in during a passing period or two. I'm Allie Hearn. In the words of the late William Edwards Deming, in God we trust, all others must bring data. Today, data is the name of the game. If we can predict it, we can prevent it, right? Data is where it's at in terms of decision-making, especially around youth needs in schools. What better way to figure out which youth need more if we're implementing interventions with fidelity, if youth are responding, than data? And while we know this to be true, many an educational professional can still find him or herself sitting through problem-solving meeting after problem-solving meeting, while the team uses pure subjectivity to make decisions around youth behavior and potential supports. Albert Einstein said, if I had 60 minutes to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes defining it and five minutes solving it. Too often, our problems are not truly defined in a clear and concise way, a precision statement, so to speak, and we end up traveling with our teams right down the rabbit hole. Take a moment and consider how many youth you have discussed recently, or last year even, in some kind of problem-solving team meeting and then think about how many of those youth received effective supports that created lasting outcomes for that youth as a direct result of that meeting that took place. How many? More than a handful? There's no question that if we can gather, use, and assess student outcome data, like grades, attendance, referrals, intervention fidelity data, is the intervention taking place for the student and with the fidelity that it was intended? And individual behavior plan data, are individual behavior intervention plans taking place? And are we doing what we said we would do, as we said that we would do it on our end? And then use that data to guide the decisions that we're making for our youth? We will save ourselves a ton of time in the long run. And just think of all the interventions we can actually give to youth with the time that we will have freed up talking about them. We had the fortunate opportunity to catch up with Diane LeMaster. I'm Diane LeMaster. I work for the Midwest PBIS Network. My area of specialty is in the area of Swiss and PBIS assessments and PBIS apps. I'm a Swiss and TIPS national trainer, so know quite a bit about data. And Laura Swanland. Hello, my name is Laura Swanland and I'm a district level PBIS coordinator. Our district is, has 20 buildings of about 12,000 students. We're a fairly diverse district with over 75 languages spoken and we've been implementing PBIS for about 12 years. To talk more in depth about data and how it can help support teams to do work more effectively and efficiently. They share thoughts with us about how data is the key to making it all work. So why use data with teams? 
We find that um, our decisions with our teams and schools, um, they're more likely to be very effective and efficient when they're based on data. Not just, yeah, things feel like they're better, but we really have hard, fast data to prove that um, things are improving or we have something to work on. So the quality of our decision-making with our teams really depends on um, that very first step, which is defining the problem to be solved with precision. Um, but data gives you the actual answers as to is, are things better or not versus just how does it how feel. How does it feel? Yep. Yep. Perfect. When we started PBIS, we used uh, our office referrals and kept track of them and helped them determine our acknowledgement systems, our teaching, and just the overall tier one practices um, in the building. So this was a area for, for growth and we were able to kind of have it pretty systematic across the buildings that were using it. Um, over time we got better at looking at our minors as well and helping with uh, just reteaching or understanding what teachers can do in the classroom for minor behaviors. So kind of where we are right now in terms of really using our data at tier one with the office referrals to look at the disproportionality information as well as um, you know if there's certain trends that is impacting academics. Now we of course look at other sources of data at our tier one teams like perception data, survey data, um, and feedback and we use the self-assessment survey and the tiered fidelity inventory as well as a big source of outcome and action planning and at the end of the year we do a pretty large-scale analysis of how our year has gone to help us go into the next year where we look at again trends with our um, tier one data that I just mentioned. So where do you start? What do you focus on at tier one? Probably one of the first steps is you want to make sure that everyone in your building, your staff, um, are very clear and understands what your school discipline process is. Um, you want to make sure that we're clear and all on the same page as to what's office managed versus what's classroom managed. That way you know you've got very clean, accurate data that your teams are using to make decisions on. Um, I think next you really want to make sure you're pulling your data regularly, um, at least once a month, and start to identify those areas in need of improvement that data needs to be shared at least monthly with your staff. They need to see what's going on with data um, and problem behaviors. Where do you go from there? How do you keep growing? Our area of growth that we're working on is having a even more common streamlined office referral uh, form and definition of uh, problem behaviors so that we can better understand what terms like disrespect mean across all of the buildings. And how do you keep a focus on data as you move up the triangle? Data at Tier 1 for your school-wide universal system. There's data we track for our students that are in check and checkout. In our Tier 2 interventions, we have data that we track our students with individual behavior plans, Tier 3. So, um, yeah, the data you can it's everywhere. use for every, it's everywhere. Everywhere. It's, yeah. a, it's everywhere it's, in life. <laughs> it is. It is. It's good. For our Tier 2 interventions, we have decision rules for all of them that are all data-based. So that means that the entry into any of our interventions um, require a uh, look at multiple levels of data and the student um, is looked at in terms of whether or not they meet the criteria um, for the characteristics of that intervention. The data is kept track for each student and that's pretty consistent across all buildings. And when we started that wasn't, uh, so it was mainly paper-based and people were maybe putting the data in Excel and maybe graphing it, where now we have a um, systematic, uh, pretty uh, 
complex but not but very intuitive and easy to use um, process for keeping track of our the the DPR data where every building can see the trends for each student can see the overall percent um, of points made for a month and can easily get a glance of how all well the students in a tier two intervention are doing but overall our tier two data collection is um, not is very streamlined and um, required uh, in order to really make decisions about students. We've had a paradigm shift of students being seen, for example, for social worker counseling um, individually that's kind of not maybe related to their how, what they're being um, reinforced for in the classroom, but now whatever it is that a student is receiving more mental health supports for is being reinforced in a positive way it's critical that data is used as a means for determining who gets higher levels of support. That's the definition of an MTSS model, using response to intervention versus some other decision-making method. We require that um, data is used to determine whether or not a child's going to receive um, any sort of tier three type of supports. So even if there's a crisis plan in place, we are collecting data on that and using that to help inform the further plan. Um, and we also use it to really help understand educational need for a student. So the process of figuring out the, um, like if whether or not a student needs an IP and what that looks like, it, we gather all this data that's been used from tier one, tier two, and tier three in order to really have a better understanding of need. So essentially, you're literally painting a picture or writing a story of how your systems are working by using student response and intervention fidelity data. We also keep track of not only monthly response, but year-to-date year response. So we look at how many students have been in intervention year-to-date, how many have responded, meaning that they met decision rules by the data, that they either have um, met the criteria and exited the intervention, and or they're meeting the criteria and they're continuing to stay on because that's the level of support that that student needs. So those are the um, big conversations that are happening monthly at our tier, the tier two and tier three teams. In other words, it's not kid level, it's systems level conversations where we're looking at the data to determine um, what how we can better improve our intervention systems. For many, including our colleagues you heard from today, using data just becomes a way of life. You can't imagine how your systems ever functioned without it. Really, my love for data started back way back when I was um, a building-based coach in my um, elementary school um, where I was teaching, and we first really acquired our, our Swiss account. This is when Swiss was brand new, right out the door, probably back 1980, 1998, 99, so I'm going back a ways. Um, and we started using that system to document office referrals that we never really did before. Um, it's, it's really exciting when you can work with teams um, and using their own data to, to work with them and drilling down to get to precision statements, to walking them through the development of a solid action plan. We've moved on past the days of where teams meet and um, they're just admiring the problem for half an hour and then the meeting's over. Hopefully this has been helpful information on how to build a system for database decision making. It really starts with starting to use your data and just keeping decision rules and sticking to them and um, re or refining them as you need to in order to have it so that you have a culture of data and having systems that are easy and streamlined um, for staff to use so they don't end up spending most of their time on data management. Yeah, I guess I'm a data geek.
As you continue to engage in problem solving at your own school and district levels, continue to keep data at the table during your conversations. Not only will it make your problem solving processes better, but data also has this amazing ability to take emotionality out of a conversation. Do you need to talk to a teacher about his or her classroom management? Bring data. Do you want to address behavior on the bus? Bring data. Do you want to try and show the need for more supervision in the cafeteria or less need for supervisors in the hallway who could be leading interventions or doing other helpful things during that time? Bring data. The uses for data are endless. So, how are you currently using data? Does your staff gather it in a consistent way? Do you share out data with your key stakeholders regularly, including staff, students, families, the community, your board? And do you use data for making decisions about which youth receive different supports? Or are your decisions made in more of a subjective way? For more information about using data for decision making, check out our website at www.midwestpbis.org or the national website at pbis.org. You can also check out pbisapps.org for more information about how to use data to improve the culture and climate of your school. October 27th and 28th is the National PBIS Leadership Forum. Will you be there? If not, don't worry. We will be at the forum interviewing presenters and participants about their biggest takeaways from the conference this year and what ideas they'll be bringing back to help improve their implementation. Join us so that we can talk more about the National PBIS Leadership Forum during your next passing period. What's your favorite number? What's my favorite number? Three. <laughs> That's a wrap. <Yeah. laughs>